On this week's episode of The Bear and the Ball, I'm going to delve into the world of goal scoring. Yes, it's the hardest thing to do, and that's why players are paid billions of dollars to put the ball in the back of the net. Someone who's been doing that for many, many years and was once the leading scorer for the United States men's national team is Eric Winolder, the scorer of the first ever goal in Major League Soccer. This is a man that knows something about the art of goal scoring. Enjoy the bear and the ball as we delve into the science of putting the ball in the back of the net. Okay, I'm joined by my good friend, former TV colleague, Coach for life, Eric Winalda. Eric, let's get straight into what this discussion is all about. And it's about goal scoring, the art of goal scoring, and something that you know a little bit about being the uh, first goal scorer in Major League Soccer, the first goal scorer in a home American World Cup. Why do goal scorers get the most money? Is it because it's such a difficult thing to do? You can't win without goals, can you? I think it, 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 it's something that it, it's a it's a collaboration of a couple of things and you, you learn as you go and you can see even at a young age when, when you see a young talented player and they continually score one of two things happens to that child uh, as they get older and that is their confidence grows or it starts to deplete and the biggest concern that you have is it, it really takes a special personality for to be the one who's responsible for scoring goals. Now, if if things start to go wrong uh, and you go through a drought or you 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 start to have reasons to lose confidence, um, you second guess yourself and your instincts start to go away and you start to overthink things. And then all of a sudden, you're not even the same player that you were when you started. Um, those are the reasons why that, that, that some people will separate themselves uh, as good goal scorers and some people have a, a real hard time uh, continually finding the back of the net. Talent and repetition training um, are, are two things I'm a big believer in. I, I think that, that finding a comfort zone and understanding where you are on the field and realizing in that very short space, it's only a couple of seconds and sometimes it's a millisecond that this is it. This is, this is what I've trained for. This is what I should be ready for. And this is exactly what I have to do. Now, you can't recreate every opportunity uh, through training. However, when those moments happen and all of those thoughts rush through the brain, you have to have uh, the right mentality in order to score. And when you miss, it's the, oh, my God, how did I do that? And when you score, it's sometimes the same thing. Oh, my God, how did I do that? And usually a clear mind. Uh, of, of a striker is the reason why the goal finds the back of the net. Co of course, co you know, in collaboration with talent, but it's all between the ears. I think that's the one thing I, 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 I hate to admit, but that's the truth. For the layman, though, when you're watching, the, the, let's, let's say you're watching on TV, you're even watching live, uh, you're watching your own son, your own daughters play, and they have an opportunity, and it always looks so easy. Why is it so difficult? Because you have, this, you have this goalkeeper who doesn't cover the entire mass. 
The goal itself is huge. It looks like the easiest thing to do is to put your foot through a ball and see it hit the back of the net. And yet it's not. Well, okay. Let's put it this way. Um, We could go to a, a shooting range and we could be aiming at a target. And the idea is to hit the bullseye. Are either one of us ever going to really hit the bullseye? Probably not. Now, I make jokes about this. I say, listen, you know, the, the secret is, is to, to aim for the keeper and miss because you're not that good. But at, at least you'll keep it on frame. But the reality is too many times we try to aim. We try to put, make the perfect shot, put it in the top corner, put it in the lower corner. When the reality is all you really have to do, if you really are being honest about it, is beat the one player with long sleeves and gloves on. That's what you're all, all you have to do. It doesn't need to go in the corner. It just needs to be the keeper. Now, understanding how to beat a keeper is another whole game that you can play with in your mind, or you can you go through the whole process of learning exactly what you need to do to be a good goal scorer. But the, the reason why people miss, and very seldom do people say, I'm going to aim right at the top quarter, and it actually goes there. Very seldom. I'm talking a very minimal percentage, like 3 to 5%. Does that actually happen? And if you're really honest about being a goal scorer, sometimes you do aim for the corner, you miss, but at least you beat the big guy, so you get the goal. The reality is, is that it is more complex than we'd like to, uh, to, to admit, but when you simplify things, when you understand what your strengths are as a player, Am I, am I better with the side of my foot or am I better just hitting it with power? Am, am I better with my head up? Am I better just put my head down, hit a hard plate chicken and hopefully it goes in. There's everybody has a different way of doing it and the success rate varies. But the truth is beat the keeper. Stop looking at corners, beat the keeper. That's all you got to do. You talk about strength. So Describe to me what an ideal center forward looks like. What, what, what qualities does this player possess different to the other players on the pitch? Well, um, not, they aren't really different, but there are the moments where it, with the ball's in the air, if, if the ball's on the ground, where a defender is not really expected to make this look good. Their, their, their job is to simply make a tackle to collect it and without pressure or with a maybe minimal pressure is to make a pass. Everything happens so fast as, as a forward when the good goals happen. It is something that, that you, are, you are in complete reaction mode, but you're still trying to dictate the play. So when the ball comes through the box, it comes whizzing through a bunch of people. You're trying to get your feet set, but it's that moment where you can make a simple adjustment or a very complex adjustment in a very small amount of time and get it right. Not overreact, not overswing, but to just simply understand the little moment that this is all I need to do right now. The ball's just come through all those people. The goalkeeper's trying to slide from his left to his right. I'm going to put it right back where it came from, and it doesn't really have to be hit hard. Now think about that. That's all going to go through a, a striker's mind in a flash. That is the difference. And, and because what's funny is you, when people miss is – is they say, well, I should have done this, or I should have done that, or I should have done that. Believe it or not, a good striker will work, work all that out in his mind in about a millisecond. And I that think, is why they're good. Beric, I've been in a car with you, and this is back in the days when you used to have a BlackBerry, and you would be driving and punching out, I'm sorry, DMV, if you're listening, but you know, typing out messages while driving, while on the freeway, that 
dodging people. I mean, is, is this because strikers have some kind of different vision that other field players have? You know what? I think, I, I think one of the, because everybody tries to understand what the different or the next level is, or wh what is that? What does that mean when you have a bunch of, you see it in, in, in group settings for a, a lot of, on a lot of occasions where you have 11 players and you say, let's build a super team. Let's get the best 10 players that, that we know in the area and let's put them on the same field. And then we expect something glorious to happen. That's never going to happen. The next level is actually the player in those milliseconds that as the ball's coming to them, whether that be in the midfield or in the defender or as a forward, and they are able to say, well, if I hit it to Johnny, I got to hit it to his left foot because he's got no right foot. If I pass to Tony over there, I better give it to his feet because there's no way that he'll be able to run it down because that player is faster than he is, and I can't do that. If this guy hits, if I hold on to this ball for another second, he's going to hit me. Do I have an option, a simple option? Those are four things that just went through my brain. Now, the next level is being able to decipher where I'm going to play, how I'm going to play, and understand all of the roles around you, meaning I need to be better for them by the way I give them the ball. That's the next level. It is not always the case where we have very talented players who actually get very um, – I would say snotty about this at times. Oh, you're good. Here, you take it. And they'll just throw it at your ankles and expect you. Oh, you're a good player. You should handle that. And now all of a sudden you see laziness creep in, uh, the technical abilities and, and, and all of those, those, those fundamentals that you, you need as a player, that those go out the window when you're playing with more talented people. Sometimes when you have defined roles, players who can think on a different level, everybody talks about speed and it's speed of thought. That is the difference in football. That is the difference why some players are better than others. It's the ones who can think quicker and their body cooperates. So let me ask you this then. Can you train speed of thought? If we look at, look, look at probably the, the best goal scorer in the Premier League right now, Sergio Aguero. I mean, is, is, is he practicing every single day the type of goals he scores? Or is it just because he has this inherent God-given ability? You know, let's, 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 let's go back further. One of my favorite players when I grew up was Gary Lineker. Gary Lineker was not particularly going to dazzle you with his talent. He wasn't. You know what he could do, though? He understood where everyone else's talents were around him. And he made them better by being where he needed to be for them. That's, that's, that's a huge component of this. When you, when, you, when you understand who you are and what you're good at, one of the things that was so beautiful about Gary Lineker is most of the goals that he scored, he was sliding on his butt with his leg up sideways, and somehow he figured out a way to make it go in. And we said, genius. No, basically what he was doing was compensating for someone else's strength or weakness. So it, it, being a striker and being a forward, you have to it, – it's not – Sergio Aguero is a wonderful forward, but, and he has wonderful talents. But when you try to do this on your own – Good defenders at the top level will figure you out in a hurry. And so it, you, you can have some minimal su success in the beginning or even great success, but once they know what you're all about and you can't change it and you can't change the way you address the game, you'll stop scoring in a hurry. Well, I might, I might be tempted to disagree just a little bit because you're comparing Lineker and Aguero, and Aguero scores the, the, the uh, quality and the difference of his goals is incredible. Outside the box, headers. Sure. Lineker's speciality was, and, 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 he, and he brags about this himself, he never scored a goal outside of the six-yard box. Right. But that's, so, but, 
So where did he get this ability from? Did he train it or was it inherent? And can you train someone to be a great goal scorer? You can try. Okay. The, the, well, I mentioned it very briefly before. And I said repetition training, understanding what your talent is. It's okay to overwork that. Now, it, it, some, some guys have an outside shot. And, and so, you know what? You want to get your technique right. And you, when the moment comes in a game that you can push it by a guy and you're 30 yards out, you say to yourself, why not? I can do this. I've trained to do this. Gary Lanneker wasn't going to do that, was he? As soon as he got 30 yards out with some space, he said, where is everybody? I got to get in front of the goal. That's the difference between maybe a Sergio Aguero and a, a Gary Lineker. We can go through all kinds of different uh, forwards. Uh, and, and everybody has a different way of doing it, but their understanding of who they are and what makes them great. And at some point, and I would hope that when they were a kid or when they were growing up or in, in their own development, they recognized what they were good at and they worked on getting great at it. And that's different for everybody. So the, the problem, or not even a problem, but the, but the challenge really as a young player is to recognize what you're good at and go ahead, get great at it. Don't focus on all the other stuff. It's a waste of time. Define who you are. Because if we were to sit here, you and I, for example, and we were to pick our top 10 players of all time, I guarantee you this. They are very different from each other in, for different reasons in different ways. You say George Best or you say Ronaldo. Maradona mm -hmm. or Messi. They're different. Some, some things are similar, but everybody who's ever been fantastic and we, we put it at the highest level in this game was special. Finding your own special qualities is the secret. As, as a coach yourself, when you're dealing with your strikers, what kind of instructions do you give them in terms of the game? Mm. Is, is, is it very simple, go out there and enjoy yourself? Or do, do, you, do you have uh, a game plan for these players in mind that you want them to go through? I learned a lot from reading... Um a lot of different different managers the way that they've gone gone about it one of the one of my favorites clearly is sir alex ferguson and i think one of the things that that he was was brilliant at is his ability to communicate his ability ability to observe and to watch a player and know when to get out of that player's way um there are certain times when you have to let it happen Overcoaching is a is is an epidemic in this country because you know, I make the joke all the time about the dad that's screaming from the sidelines to, to his son to shoot. And, you know, my point is, if you say to your son, or if you say to that man, you know, okay, you, I, I assume you think your son can hear you. And then they're going to say, well, of course. And I said, okay, so you yell shoot, he shoots and scores. Who scored? Right. You or him? Now, the beauty of this game is the ability to have those moments to think for yourself and make the decisions for yourself. So, you know, for, for me as a coach, and, and one of the biggest challenges that you always have is to understand the, the person you're dealing with, understand not their, their, their strengths and their weaknesses, but also their mentality. What makes them mad? What makes them tick? What makes them better? What motivates them? What, 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 how can you get this guy uh, to, to, to be better than what he is right now, tomorrow? And those are always, going back to the same theme, is that recognizing what they are very good at and helping them understand that the rest of the stuff that they think is important is probably just noise. Lock in on who you are and let's get great at this because that's when it's fun. That's when it's fun. If, if, if I tell you, you know, and you're not the, a particularly good painter, let's say, 
and I say, today we're going to paint a masterpiece. How do you think that masterpiece is? He's, that's frustration, and most of the strikers I know are going to pick that piece of <laughs> throw it, and that's it for that because they're angry and they're frustrated because they're not good at it. It's the same thing. You tell this person, hey, we're going to have finger paint today. Oh, I really like finger painting. Okay, great. Let's do it. And now all of a sudden, you're going to get the enthusiasm out of that player or that painter because that's what they want to do. Figuring that out is the biggest challenge for managers because a lot of coaches, especially at the youth level, are telling kids to do things that they don't want to do. Now, there's, there's parts that are, are, are very important in, in their instruction that, look, you have to get better at this or it's never going to work. But integrating that into understanding the, the personality that's so necessary to be a good soccer player. Well, let's flip that on, on its head. Your coach, when you were 15, what qualities did you bring to the game, Eric? And what did your coach do to you to help evolve your game or in some cases bring your game back down to, down to earth? You know, it's a, funny, it's a funny deal. 15, 16 was a very impressionable age. It was the first time I, I, I started to get recognition for, for scoring and maybe being a, a, a talented young player. And when I went into my, my, well, it was my senior year, I was a junior senior, um, I had a very good year in high school. And back then, high school was, was paramount. It was a lot more than club. And um, the great Pelé came to my hometown, and I was bestowed the honor of greeting him and giving him a gift before he spoke. And I thought it was such a great thing. But I had just spent six months being coached by a regional team where the coach had essentially told me, listen, until you get better with your back to the goal, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think you're going to ever get to the next level as a soccer player until you learn to get better with your back to the goal. So I trained and I tried as hard as I could to get better with my back to the goal. And I got worse. I, I, I went completely the wrong direction and I, and I was convinced that this was my way in. I had to get better if I wanted to be on the national team when this was just the regional team that I had to do this. Was, so when I met, was, I, was, this, I met a, was this a legitimate uh, critique of your game though? Yes, it was. It was something that I was, I, I was a kind of player who, when I would, when the ball was on its way to me, my decision-making process was always to trap and try and turn to see what the other guy was doing. And in that moment, I lost the ball on a lot of occasions. So when I asked Pelé, I said, I got a chance to meet Professor Mazze, who was a brilliant man, who was his confidant. We sat at the dinner and he said, would you like to ask Pelé a question? And I said, you know what? I've got a really good question. This is, this is my moment. And I, I, I said to Pelé, I said, I've been training really hard to get better with my back to the goal. How do I do that? How do I get better with my back to the goal? And he looked right at me, Nick, and he, and he said, why would you ever want you're back to the goal. <laughs> and it made perfect sense. Of it, course. <laughs> it, it's, it's why would you want to completely turn off? He says, you keep your back to the goal, they're going to kill you. Did you see the World Cup where it happened to me? They kept getting me because, and I, I learned a lesson very late in my career. He says, so and later on, I was always half turned. I always could have my head on a swivel. I could see the goal. I could see the ball. And I always felt like if I could see the goal and I could see the ball, I always knew exactly what I could do and what was about to happen, and when to jump, when to play, when to run, when to shoot. He knew it all. I became a left winger for that very reason. I came over to the side of the field where I could survey the entire field, and that is the kind of player I became because of Pelé's advice, which some people would say, well, you never became a good forward, you're back to the goal. Well, great, that was never my game in the first place. 
and I, I, I really, I owe him a, a, quite a bit because he helped me find the player that I am and the, the player that I needed to be to be successful. Why was it so easy for you to score goals at the youth level? Well, I think I said this to Pelé too. He didn't like it. Um, I, I said, well, you used to score on the goalkeepers didn't even have gloves. You know, he didn't like that at all. He, he thought that that was kind of rude. But, uh, and I was just trying to be funny, but he didn't laugh. Goalkeeping has gotten so much better. It, it just has. And, and, the, and with the, the, as you progress in levels in this game, you realize the goalkeepers get a whole lot better in a hurry. I made friends with uh, the goalkeepers that played with the U.S. national team, whether that be the Casey Kellers or the Tony Miolas or the Brad Friedels of the world, simply because I wanted to know what they hated. Hmm. I needed to understand what made them miserable so I could be better at what I did. And they would explain things to me on a different level. Don't shoot for the corner. Shoot right past his, my ankle. If my foot's planted, I can't move, and my hand's not long. My arm's not long enough. Don't put it up here because that's that's savable. This is not. Anyway, I'm like, hold on, explain that again. Shoot right, once I come out and plant those feet. Just shoot in the hole between my my arm and the foot. I said, but I got to put it over. The, no, you don't. All you got to do is beat me. I can't save that. I can save that. And it made so much sense to me at the youth levels essentially you kind of once you got in those positions goalkeepers they don't dictate the play do they they don't the higher you get in and, and the older you get better goalkeepers will come out they'll get in your mind they'll dictate what you're going to do so they'll force you to do things you don't want to do you know they, they'll come out too fast or they'll, they'll go one way or they'll go the other they'll cut off angles in different ways and it becomes increasingly harder to score the older you get. Let's think about it. When the kids, when you're very young, they stay in the middle of the goal and they hope for the best. And they hope for their athleticism will save them. As you get older, they start to dictate the play and they make, you, they make it very hard on strikers. My audience is, is generally coaches that are coaching at the youth level. Give these coaches a piece of advice that they can give to their 15-year-old center forward who maybe is going through a tough time. Well, first of all, convenient amnesia is a wonderful thing. It's, and, and, and that building confidence in your strikers is, is never, never, ever let them believe that you don't believe in them. That, that is the number one thing. That, and, and sometimes you're going to feel like a cheerleader, but your reactions, as everybody does, they put, oh, he missed again. They turn your back and you don't look at them. Those are your moments to coach. Those are your moments to say, it's all right. Nobody's perfect. Come on, keep going. You got this. Those little moments mean the world to the psyche of a striker because it's important for them to get right back on track, to not dwell on it. We always think about this. And, and one of the things that I would say to young coaches, especially 15, 16 years old, one of the things that we do in shooting training is we do one shot and then you go get your ball and you come back and get in line. Do three in a row. Always do threes because that gives uh, the player the opportunity to have a shot. Make it the same exact shot. Don't, don't, don't change it up. If, it, if you're rolling a ball or if it's, it's touching a ball or it's, it, it's a serve ball, whatever, let them have three shots at it because in that way, that's the repetition training that I'm talking about. You have the ability to make the mistake and not go think about it for the next 45 seconds to fix it right away. Let's do it again. And then you fix the problem. And then the last one is, is, is not always the best one. The second one usually is because the third one, you're kind of going, whew, at least I got it right once. But 
in in that moment when you're trying to train to be a, to be a better striker on the way you strike the ball, the way you head the ball, or your technique, if you do it three times in a row, you work out the kinks a lot faster. It would almost be like golf if you were allowed to have three shots at this, not just one, which is not the case. But th- th- in practice, you do have that ability, and and coaches need to take advantage of that. Having been golfing with you, I know about your mulligans. Very true. Uh, who's the best striker you've worked with as a coach? Uh, best striker that I've worked with as a coach is actually a kid named Jaime Chavez because he just simply has unbelievable qualities and, and his technique is wonderful in the air. He's good with both feet. He's six foot two, but you wouldn't know it. Um, he's got, he's got, he's got pillows on his feet at times and he, he can, he can also reach for that wonderful moment where, you know, why not, you know what, and have the confidence to try it. Not the, you know, the ball is bouncing in a weird spot and maybe you should pass or maybe, but being able to decipher what's the right decision to make right now. But he has those moments and some of the goals I've witnessed him score, whether that be with Atlanta or even at the amateur levels or you know, what he's been able to do in Miami. And I'm sure he will do, continue to do wherever he lands. Um, he just has the ability to pull out this moment that, that you know, not everybody can, can do, but not everybody's willing to try. And that convenient amnesia thing, he's got that down too. He's able to forget things. He's angry sometimes. He's got a temper. He will let you down by, by his reactions, and he needs to work on that, and his discipline isn't always there. But, man, I'll, I'll live with it if, if he can give me the beautiful moments. Last question about goal scoring. Build for me your perfect striker. What, is, what does your perfect striker look like? Well, I mean, a lot of people would – because it's so different, you know? I mean, you, you could – you could. I'm not, I'm going to give you carte blanche. You you can take you can take, you can take a piece from everybody. Wow. All right. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm well. Clearly, when you the, the the top two right now, when we we start trying to compare uh, Messi to Ronaldo, it, it, they couldn't be more different. Um, and then you look at a player like Alamayan, who's what what he's doing in 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 Dortmund. He's just got just unbelievable speed. He, he kind of puts it all together. Uh, with his technique um, but the, the ones that are having you know unbelievable success rates are usually the ones who can beat you with speed um, there it depends on the level but you'll see what where guys score and where they don't score I would love to put you know the likes of someone like Suarez Abamayang in the same body to give a little bit more speed to Suarez holy cow what would the world be like if that guy and his creativity and his madness, as long as he stops biting people, I, I think I think Suarez to me uh, is just a genius. The way that, that the way the things that he can do, the things he's willing to try, the way that he connects with other players. But if you gave him lights out speed, I don't think it would be fair to the rest of the world. Luis Suarez, the prototype for a great striker with a little bit of speed. Thank you, Eric Winolda, for your incredible insights and. Hopefully we'll see an American striker in 2022 take on all those characteristics and lead the red, white, and blue to glory in Qatar. As always, you can follow me at Nick Webster on Twitter, and you can follow Cal South at Cal South Soccer on Twitter and at Cal South Soccer on Instagram. And of course, you can always find us on Facebook. For those of you who have been listening to me over the last three or four months, thank you very much. And I can't wait to bring back more of the Bear and the Ball in 2022. Until then, have a happy new year.